Welcome back in listeners to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a very interesting show in store for you today, a unique show to talk to you about. Joining us, we have the director, Olivia Miller, and the writer-composer, Dylan Markerell, who are currently working on the new show, Megan, the Unofficial Parody Musical. And it's currently slated for a one-night-only performance, March 30th at 7 p.m. at Caveat on the Lower East Side, and that's 21A Clinton Street. You can get tickets and more information at meganmusical.com, and that's Megan with the E as a three, or at caveat.nyc. So Olivia, Dylan, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Oh my god. Yeah, we're so excited. You nailed the intro. Bless you. So we're here to talk about dolls today and and creepy (laughs) dolls and almost AI dolls, but in the most fun and welcoming way, which is a musical. As we were previously talking, I I came across your Instagram page for the show. And I kind of passed on it at first because I don't do horror movies, which is ironic because I'm a big true crime buff. Like I'm all about the true crime, you know, give me a serial killer any day. Uh (laughs) When it comes to horror films, I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. Don't not even gonna touch that. But here you all are with this great unofficial parody musical about the recent film Megan. Okay, so why don't you guys tell us a bit about it, uh, Dylan? Since you're the writer and composer, why don't we start with you? Tell us a bit about the show. Yeah, so it's it's a parody of the cult hit horror comedy from earlier this year about a young woman woman who creates a robot doll that winds up killing a lot of people. It is a very irreverent adaptation. We pull in a lot from like drag and just like really broad comedy and slapstick. And, you know, Olivia and I know each other from school and we like, we wanted to work on something together. And we, neither of us are like huge horror fans. I don't think any of us, but there's something about this movie that is so campy and fun. I really would recommend even to non-horror fans to check it out because there's only a few like moments of scary 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 stuff which you can just like look away and it, it's really not that bad would you agree Olivia yeah I yeah I definitely would agree I think I mean part of the reason why Megan was so appealing to uh, translate into this musical form is that camp element I have no idea if the writers of Megan the movie thought that that's what they were delivering when they created it but there was an entire internet sensation when the first trailer dropped and the robot doll is doing a side aerial she's dancing she has <laughs> the most terrible wig I've ever seen for a a movie just all the elements of of it being sillier than scary were there and so we saw that reception play out on Twitter and with our friends a lot of people who aren't horror fans but are fans of drag race or fans of you know very campy campy media and so that's what I think really excited us about this turning into a musical is it almost felt like it was begging for that. It's not a typical horror movie, though it has the hallmarks of a horror movie. You know, a murdering doll is tales old as Chucky, you know? So it's like, it, it is it is horror, but I, I think more than that, it's it's camp and musicals and camp kind of go hand in hand. So we, we couldn't resist. <laughs> Absolutely. And I will say from the ads, even I, who who is not a fan of, 
horror films kind of looking at this this doll i was like i am i supposed to be afraid of you right. I, I don't <laughs> I mean, what are we doing with this doll? It looks like, like, out of, like the scary movie parodies, you know? It's just like, what yes. are you doing here? And the scary movie parodies are a huge inspiration for me. Those were my absolute favorites. I would I would see those and not the movies that it was based on. Like I was absolutely obsessed. And I think a lot of the humor in the show is kind of of that vein. Like, what if we take absolutely no one seriously in this entire show? What if, you know, uh, uh, one of the main characters in the show is the recently orphaned young girl, Katie, and she winds up in the care of, Allison Williams, we'll call her, who uh, yeah plays Gemma in the movie, who's the roboticist. And most of the show is just her being an absolutely horrible mother to her because the joke in the movie is, or it's not, it's not a joke in the movie, but she's just not quite ready for motherhood. And so in our show, she like doesn't remember who Katie is immediately. There's like all these like things. It's just really irreverent and silly. And there's original songs, some familiar songs for I don't know if it's reached you Andrew but the pop songs that are in the show may make an appearance as well uh, in the movie uh, rather I'm trying to think what are other things that I should say about it <laughs> so you know it is it's a parody musical so I would say largely the, the bones of the plot are the same as the bones of Megan so if you enjoyed Megan for you know AI eth um, ethical dilemmas if you enjoyed it for the horror elements all of that stuff, you're going to love the musical. If you enjoy broad Broadway comedy, you will also enjoy this because it's a parody musical and we've amped up, you know, what we're familiar with in our field, which is like broad comedy on, on the great white way. And if you enjoy drag elements, we've included that in. And if you enjoy any kind of pop cultural reference and enjoy kind of, you know, a repartee of current events, we've infused that into it. So it, it is a parody musical that's following the plot, but part of, I think, the joy of the show is that it's pulling from a lot of walks of life that Dylan and I particularly love. And we think that'll, that, that there's a, a great audience of people who will really love it, regardless of their affinity for a horror movie or even this horror movie in particular. I love that. Now, we've, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I, I have to know, how did you come up with the idea for the show? Like what was, what inspired you to just be like, we have to put a parody musical on? Yeah, I, Dylan, let's go with you. Yeah, I've been working for the past like couple of years on, well, you can actually see, I mean, I know that this is not a visual medium, but behind me is a, a poster that's sort of looks like a painting of the real housewives of New York. Uh, I swear, I thought it was like some gothic, like medieval. Yeah, right, right. Okay, painting. thank you. But uh, yeah, so I, for the past couple of years, I've been working on just like, at first it started as an Instagram channel and then it became a live show, but a Real Housewives parody. It's just, I am obsessed with the Real Housewives. I think they're so funny. And that really just sort of blew up. And I was like really wanting to find that next like thing that I was equally excited about that also had sort of like an it's a little bit adjacent to housewives in terms of it has like a large gay following it has like it's it's sort of like trash like tv a little bit trash culture which is just like my bread and butter and i wanted to do something like the moment that it came out so like i wanted to really catch something early and so i saw megan in theaters right when it came out in january 
And then I pretty much, I think that week asked Olivia if she would direct. And I, I think I wrote something like, yeah, I probably wrote most of it that week. And then we were like, how fast can we get this up? And, uh, <laughs> and there, and this venue caveat is just awesome. They've been so great to work with. They found a date for us. We had, you know, we had been in touch about the housewives musical. So yeah, I just like that, like fun, gay niche. We've seen the success of Titanic. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to check that out. Oh yes, um, yeah. And so I, I was like, "What? What is my Titanic?" And I think, I think it might be Megan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me even more excited about this show because, yeah, Titanic is so absolutely good. fantastic. Well, I want to ask now, what has it been like developing this show? And Olivia, I want to start with you as the director, putting it all together and organizing everything and and bringing the vision to light. What has it been like developing Megan, the unofficial parody musical? I mean, it's it starts with working with Dylan, and Dylan is such a brilliant collaborator. No one, no one would know this coming to the show, but Dylan, I mean, I mean, Dylan wrote the entire thing in like a week and a half. He's been working on all these demos. The way that he writes the music and teaches it to the cast members, it's it's Dylan creating a million tracks with Dylan singing on every single track to like every all all the songs. It's a it's a massive no. It's incredible. It's it's a massive feet that I just have never I've never encountered anyone who does this the way that Dylan does it and so on on the pre-production end which is really brief it's been it's been fantastic to work with because Dylan is just an incredible collaborator and brilliant at what he does and so that's that was that made my job really easy in the beginning because you know we're looking at the script and I'm giving like the tiniest notes on the on the margins and then Dylan turns an entire song out of one note like within 24 hours. And I just, I don't know anyone who can do that besides Dylan. So that's been really fun. And then from our current state of rehearsals, I mean, we just put together a group of people who are really game to work very quickly. I know we're asking a lot of our actors to work on something that is premiering at the end of this month with a very limited amount of time. And again, we're trying to ride that wave of Megan is still in theaters. People still know Megan, like it's, it's still around, still being talked about. So that's part of the nature of the time crunch, but it's just it's just been great to be working with people who some people that we worked with before, some people that are are new to our circles or new to the work that we've done in the past, and people just diving in, really game to come in with their music learned, come in ready to try something, and just get immediate feedback on it. And so we're we're barreling through all of the material, and hopefully we'll have our first stumble through in the next week. But it's been such a limited process, and people have just really risen to the occasion and come in with ideas come in with, you know, some understanding of what, what their harmony sounds like. And so I think I just feel really lucky about the people that we've surrounded ourselves with and, and the energy around it. Everyone in the project has seen Megan and loves Megan. And so that's actually helped a lot on my end, because it's just people already know kind of the impersonation that we're looking at and they already know kind of the joke we're going for. And so that's been really lovely. Oh, I don't know if you can see Olivia where Olivia is, but most of the rehearsals have taken place in Olivia's living room and mostly like after 8 p.m. Like it's like this is a, a you know, I also have not been like, you know, it's 
it's me with my laptop, not a keyboard. Like we're really kind of, we're all young artists. We're like figuring this out together, but it's just been an absolute blast. A lot of us are, I mean, we're all friends from some other context, like Olivia and Brooke Sweeney, who plays Gemma and I all went to Harvard together where we did like theater stuff. And Olivia studied at Brown with another actress, Lizzie Brooks, who's amazing, who's also just on Broadway. So it's it's a really fun mix of like, we're all friends and we're uh, sort of a homespun vibe. Yeah. That's amazing. That That is quite the collection and quite the, uh, the resume of people uh, <laughs> behind the scenes. Keeping on the, the question, Dylan, you're the writer and composer of this. What has it been like developing the show and, and hearing your words and music come to life? Well, I am not a gifted singer, so it's always so fun for me to hear actual singers sing what I write. It's like the like the leap there is like so rewarding and great. And also, yeah, hearing like, I mean, we had a rehearsal last night where Brooke said a line completely different than I intended and it was 10 times funnier. Like it's just like little <laughs> discoveries like that are are just the best. Olivia, I'm like, I'm like, do I say this spoiler? I'm just gonna say a little, little gem, which is that she came up with this amazing choreography for a moment where, and I should say stage magic for when a character's ears are removed. Um, and so it's it's all very campy. It's not, it's not gonna be scary on stage at all. It's gonna be ridiculous, but like stuff like that. That that has just been really fun because I'm not a director. I don't see things that way. And it's it's really fun to yeah, see it come to life. It is a comedy. So with it being a comedy version of a horror flick, is there a particular message or a thought you're hoping the audience will leave with? And Olivia, let me start with you on that one as the director. I don't know if Dylan's going to love what I'm going to say here. <laughs> so I'm curious what he's going to say after me. Sometimes I'm, so I obviously love theater. And I love when I come away from a show feeling like I've been moved or learned something new. I love that. I also love when I live with theater purely on the high of an entertainment rush of like, that was so unbelievably entertaining. And I laughed a ton. I don't necessarily have a message that I want people to walk away with. I want people to walk away feeling like they had an absolute blast for an hour, that the 60 minutes were 60 minutes well spent, where they were surprised, where they laughed, and where they might have challenged their idea of what a parody musical is. Because I think sometimes people think of parody musicals as kind of a the broadest look at something. And... I kind of disagree with that. I think parody musicals can really make you think about comedy in an interesting way. I think they can make you think about subject matters in an interesting way and the way we talk about things in an interesting way. And not necessarily walk away with a different message, but like you take in material in an interesting way with really good parody. And so I would love for the audience to walk away thinking that it was absolutely worth every single minute of their time in that space and that they laughed a lot and that they gasped at least once in a way that they just weren't expecting. <laughs> The only thing I'll add to that is like, because uh, I completely agree. And that's why I was like, oh God, what is Olivia going to say? Like, did I, did I have some like- Am I on the same page as you or are yeah, you yeah, like, no, I we're, have a We're on message. exactly the same page. The, honestly, like I just, if there's anything that I believe and want to communicate, it's just that Megan, the movie is an insane, like absolutely wild, like cultural touchstone that I like don't want to lose and I want to commemorate and I want to honor I get and I, I really do think that we'll look back at 
at this movie. I, I'm sure it will have many sequels. I'm sure that they will get progressively more and more like with any horror franchise, that's what happens, right? Like Saw 12 or whatever, you know. But I, I really do think that we'll look fondly back on this funny little low budget horror movie with Allison Williams. And yeah, I just want to uh, honor it and appreciate it. Yeah. And so stay tuned in June for The Ring, the unofficial parody musical coming. <laughs> Well, wrapping up the first part of our interview, my final question would be, who do you hope have access to the show? And Dylan, I'm going to start with you on that one. I think our show is for everybody, perhaps over the age of 13, just for some mild <laughs> language and sexual content. This show is a very queer show. And so I hope that it makes queer people like myself feel really welcome and, and ready to have a great time. Also, caveat is completely handicap accessible. Yeah, Olivia, do you have anything to add to that? I think this is actually a really nice show. Not that this is necessarily a goal, but I think it's a really nice show to enter on if you think you don't like musicals or if you think you don't like parodies. Something that really appealed to me about Dylan's script in particular was the fact that it was bringing in so many different elements besides just parroting off the plot of Megan. There's homages to specific Broadway musicals. There's homages to specific tropes in musical theater. There's homages to the to drag race and lip syncing and the drag community. Like there are all these different things. And so I think for someone who maybe feels like they don't know enough about musicals or haven't really had access to musicals, I feel like this is actually a really nice entrance in because it does have its hands in a lot of different places in terms of horror movies, drag race, Broadway musicals, and it comes together in a really accessible way in that regard. And so I, I would say in addition to everything Dylan said, I think it's a great show for someone who isn't sure about how they start seeing shows or how they start seeing musicals or, or talk about musicals. I think this is a really nice one to enter in on because it's so open to making fun of itself. Like we're making fun of ourselves like the entire time, not just as like the Megan characters, but as like people in this industry, this crazy industry that oftentimes makes no absolute sense. Like we're all, we're all in on the joke about it. And so I think it's a really welcoming environment for someone who hasn't felt like they could necessarily join that conversation yet. I'm so sorry, I lied. I want to slip one more question in because I love that you guys are emphasizing the joy and the fun of a parody musical. And I completely agree. But as someone who hasn't seen the film Megan, you know, will people who haven't necessarily seen the film still be able to enjoy the parody of the show? Or will, you know, we kind of be lost in the wilderness and be like, I, I don't get half of the stuff. Well, the great thing is that the show is very simple because the movie is actually pretty simple, you know. So I'll I'll answer that question this way. When I wrote the Real Housewives parody, that's now gone up a few times, and and I'm I'm just really happy with how that's gone. That's based on I think twelve seasons of. Real Housewives of New York episodes. And so that, if you're not a fan, you're screwed. Like it is, every other line is a quote from the show and it's like woven in a way that it is specifically for diehard fans. The fun about Megan is it's playing off someone who has a vague memory of the movie or has read the synopsis or seen the ads. Like that is the level and we make up the rest. Like we, it, it, it does follow the the movie, but it also is incredibly easy to follow so i 
the 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 games in it the the comedy is the audience will be kind of right there with the story and there's nothing that is relying on like a really specific memory of the movie or anything like that olivia would you agree with that yeah i would and i would just add if you have seen the movie there are easter eggs in there where some specific choreo moments or a specific pop song that comes on will make We'll give you an extra joke because you've seen the, sh- the movie, but if you haven't, it'll still be funny that, I don't want to give it away. It'll still be funny that a robot si- starts singing a really popular pop song. Like that in itself is a, is a funny thing. And if you happen to have seen the movie, it's doubly funny because you know it's from the movie. Changing it up now, I want to let our audience get to know you a little bit better. And I want to kick things off by asking what shows, composers, or playwrights in the past have inspired you? And Dylan, I want to start with you on this question, if I may. I'm late to the musical theater game. I only really kind of got into it in college. And I I probably have like pretty basic taste in musical theater. Like at least like on the composing side, I really love like composers who are kind of chameleons like Bobby Lopez and Janine Tesori, like composers that like can write in a lot of different styles, like aren't afraid of quote unquote genre, which genre is sometimes a bad word in like the contemporary musical theater writing scene. But it's, I I definitely, I pretty much write exclusively (laughs) in genre. I don't know if this is more specific than you want, but my favorite thing, well, I'll, I'll say a couple recent shows like Kimberly Akimbo absolutely wrecked me. Yeah, six, I'm absolutely obsessed with. Those are the two that have recently, strangely, I mean, there's been a lot of really good stuff lately, but I think I tend to really love a good pop score, whatever that means to to you because all all the people I said write in a different sort of pop sensibility in some way whereas I'm less drawn to a really like heady dense score like I like I'll enjoy Sweeney Todd as much as anybody else like love it but also it's not me I can't write like that you know so you're not writing for the 32 piece in orchestra (laughs) not not for Megan maybe someday (laughs) in the future yeah (laughs) I love all that though Olivia I am excited for you now. What 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 about you? What's on your list? Well, so I kind of took a break from musicals for a while. I used to do a lot of them. And then with the exception of the Roni musical, actually, working with Dylan, I haven't really been in the musical theater space in a, in a bit. So the, the people that have been really exciting to me, I really love asynchronous work where it's, you know, the time period is very apparent from the costuming, but the dialogue is, you know, Kardashian Valley Girl speak, or the play, the play setting is like a totally futuristic thing, but it's a Oscar Wilde parlor play, essentially like in space. Like I'm, I'm really interested in those kinds of things. So a playwright that I really loved, and I would love to do her work one day, Jen Silverman writes the most exquisite asynchronous off kilter work. My favorite play of hers right now is The Moors, which is just like, Lizzie Borden meets Jane Eyre meets, 
I don't know, there's a talking pigeon in it. Like, it's just, it's so wild and it just works so, so well. So I, I'm really, I really love her work. Feels unoriginal to say, but I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, everyone does. I've been working on a one-woman show the last three years now. And so her work has been a nice touchstone for that. And, and similarly, work that's like grounded in the places where com- stand-up comedy and theater kind of arrive together. So I actually really loved Alison Levy's Oh God, A Play About Abortion, which I felt like was a beautiful mix of stand-up and like truth and the work that I've been doing outside of Megan the Musical has been kind of in that realm of, well, how do you make stand-up comedy or comedy intersect in a theatrical capacity? And so I found her work really inspiring because it was kind of right in that intersection that I'm looking at. I, as I'm getting back into the musical theater space, not to pair it off of Dylan, but I love Six. <laughs> like Six, uh, to me, it's it's that same thing of different time periods all coming together and colliding to tell something really authentically. And I think it's just genius to take something as rooted in history as Henry VIII's wives and put it to pop music with purpose, right? They're like all of their musical qualities and the pop stars that they're all modeled off of have a meaning in this, to like what each character is trying to say. And so I find that really brilliant. So yeah, that, that, that's what kind of <laughs> the world I've kind of been living in is, is mostly plays and, and one woman things. And so it's kind of nice to come back into musical theater in this way and, and get excited about it again and, and feel invigorated. No, I love that. I, 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 you've named some really fantastic shows and some really great playwrights. So thanks for sharing those. Building on that, have either of you seen any great theater? that you might be able to recommend to our listeners. If you're in the UK, there's this incredible theater company called Rash Dash. And I saw a play of theirs at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this past summer called Look At Me, Don't Look At Me. It was a two woman show, all entirely original music about the painter Dante and his muse Lizzie and their insane, dysfunctional, abusive, confusing relationship. It has to be one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. I've, I've never seen theater arrive in that way. It was part rock concert, part slam poetry, part, like it was part everything and it worked so well. And so I've only seen Rash Dash's Look at Me, Don't Look at Me, but I would see literally anything they're ever doing. I just have complete faith in that creative team to make unusual theater and completely unique theater happen. And so if you're in the UK, look up Rash Dash. They're, they're doing some really unusual, but incredible work. That's my rec. <laughs> the thought that I had is that I'm seeing a show tonight that I haven't seen before, but was really, really highly recommended to me by our other friends, Tess and Brooke, who are also in the Real Housewives musical with Olivia that, that I wrote, which is Leo Reich, literally, who cares? Uh, is Am I saying that right, Olivia? Do you know? I don't know, man. <laughs> you're on your own here. Okay, I've just been seeing ads for it everywhere. So we're going to see it tonight. And it's at the Greenwich House Theater. I'm plugging it because I really trust the people that recommended it to me. And they said it's amazing and hysterical. Leo Reich, L-E-O, R-E-I-C-H, literally who cares? Yes, 27 Barrow Street. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, it's it's a direct from sold out runs at the Edinburgh Fringe and in London, the number one comedy show of 2022, according to The Guardian. So yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, and it's a limited run, if I remember right, down there at the Greenwich House. Yes, so, yes. Very cool. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? 
Olivia, let's start with you on that. That's so hard. That's a hard one. Because I mean, honestly, if you're working in theater, it's it's such a cliche to be like, if you can do anything else, do anything else. But I think really, truly, like people who are working in theater, you're working in theater because you absolutely have to, for multiple different reasons, be working in theater. Like there's there's something really calling you to keep you in here. And I think my answer probably would change year to year, depending how things are going. But I would say in this particular part of my life, I really enjoy the people that I work with in theater, the collaborators that I keep coming back to or keep wanting to work with me again. Investing in other artists is is really valuable to me. And it, it feels nice to be invested in. And it also feels nice to give that investment back. And so at the moment, what I really love working about theater is that I've created such really deep professional relationships that I, I'm excited to keep pursuing because those professionals excite me. They surprise me. They challenge me. And it's just, it's nice to be at a point in my career where I have collaborators that I am excited to bring something to or excited to see what they bring me or excited to struggle through something together because I really, really trust them. And so I trust them with my time and with my talents. And I'm, I'm just grateful that I get to be surrounded by such creative heart forward people. And I think the theater is a particular industry where you find those creative heart forward people. And I just feel really lucky that at this moment, I am consistently working with those people. So that feels nice. (laughs) That's what I'm really enjoying right now. Love it. And Dylan, how about you? What's your favorite part about working in the theater? I think my favorite part is when I've been writing something and then hearing it out loud for that first time, especially if it's if it's a song, because if I've done my job right, then it should. Yeah, it'll like it'll really sound good once actual singers are singing it. There's it's I don't know. In my dreams, I'm an amazing singer. I can riff. I can do I can like really like. But then in reality, like I have no way to like simulate that. AI is coming a long way. I'm I'm sure we're only a few years away from being able to like make Mariah Carey sing whatever we want her to. But until then, it's that first rehearsal is always just like my favorite part. It's and and then of course you know the first performance is is really great too. But but yeah, that that's that's why yeah theater for me. I cannot wait for your one-man show, <laughs> cabaret show. That's, that's going to be a great, great night. Uh, <laughs> that be a good time. We've now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and they just keep getting better and better, these answers. And the question is, what is your favorite theater memory? Do you have oh, one, Olivia? Yeah, I, I can go. Okay. So my, my favorite theater memory... It's probably true for a lot of people as an audience member. It's like that first show that really made you go, whoa, this is it. Like this doesn't get better than this. Like everyone has, everyone who watches theater has that show that completely changed their their life. (laughs) And for me, I was five years old. I wasn't supposed to be at this show. The person who was supposed to go like got sick and my parents like didn't want the ticket to go to waste. They were supposed to go with their friends. So they were like, oh, this five-year-old can definitely handle this show. I'm sure it's fine. The show was Phantom of the Opera, uh, which is like a little intense for a five-year-old, but I must have been a very mature (laughs) five-year-old. I really, really remember the moment of the chandelier coming down. My mind was blown. I was like, this is the only thing we ever should be doing. Like, and even today I have a, I know Phantom of the Opera has its things and it's, you know, some people love it and some people hate it for whatever reasons, but like that chandelier coming down 
it's just, I, I, I was dazzled then and I saw it recently and I was dazzled again. Like there's something about that moment with the music and the, the lights and everything. I just, that was the moment that I was like, whatever's happening in this space is the space that I want to be in. And it wasn't that I saw myself in any characters. It was the, theat the pure theatricality of the chandelier coming down on an audience member. I was sold. So I was really well behaved at that show, which was great <laughs> for my, really taking a risk, bringing a kindergartner to be like, I think they can handle this uh, musical about, you know, someone murdering people in a theater. I think it's fine. It's <laughs> somewhat dry, like quasi opera also like. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not, you know, it's not like, what, what's like a good, I don't know what you would say is a good. Like, yeah. Seuss, I mean you know, or Little Women or, you know, something that's like a little bit more child accessible, I guess. Yeah. But that that has to be for me my favorite theater moment as an audience is that first one that got me hooked in is the chandelier coming down. So my favorite moments on the other side of things. Oh, it's, it's actually the last musical that I did for this past year when I was working on The Real Housewives of Dylan, but the last other musical before I took my hiatus. I was an understudy in a production of Little Shop for Audrey. And it was purely just like a, uh, it, it really was just a, a formality kind of thing. Like no one, no one expected me to go on. I didn't expect me to go on, but obviously I did the work, but like, you know, there was no expectation there. And then it was a crazy, crazy day where someone, the person who was playing Audrey had been called on set and was supposed to be released at a certain time. And that time passed. And she then was communicating that she was going to be released at another time. And that time passed. And then it was an hour before the show. And we didn't have an entree. So they rushed me in. I hadn't had a, a, an official rehearsal yet. So they rushed me in to like walk me through everything. I then did the show. I completely blacked out. But my favorite moment was when I was blacking in, having realized that I didn't mess things up and that the show had happened and that people had told me it went really well. That exhilaration of like realizing that I had done the show and had gotten through it and had had succeeded in, in a way that I, I didn't know I could succeed. That was an exhilarating moment. Like I don't really remember the performance. So I can't say it was like my favorite thing in terms of, you know, memories on stage, but that feeling of, of accomplishment of doing something that I had never done before and feeling like I'd done it not only to the best of my abilities, but to a serviceable ability for everyone else it was a really rewarding feeling like I felt really I felt really good about myself in that moment and yeah the bootlegs of me singing that like remind me of what happened but like I don't remember doing it actually so it's nice to revisit like the secret videos that people took and I'm like oh yeah like that that was that must have been really fun for me but yeah my favorite moment is that that feeling of accomplishment after kind of a, an absurd circumstance to be in coming out of that not just alive, but thriving. <laughs> That's amazing. Dylan, what is your favorite theater memory? So this is going to sound like slightly like, like name drappy, but I haven't done anything impressive since then. So I don't feel bad about That's it. That's so true, Dylan. At, um, You're so impressive. They did like, they, there's this organization called the Hasty Pudding that I wrote for in college. I was like the composer and it's like this like old theater troupe that does like, it's a sort of, there's drag involved in it and like, Anyway, on opening night, uh, I was a sophomore. This was like my first like big thing in college like that I wrote, uh, sort of new to theater period. But they Neil Patrick Harris came and watched it. He was like the sort of the guest of honor. And I was in that row 
just a couple seats away from him just watching him watch it and i was just like it was like i i like cried so much that's one of the weaker shows that I've done. but i i needed to i i was figuring out my craft at the, you know but but no that was that was really really like formative and special and like a great a great memory yeah that's amazing oh my gosh both of you, those were amazing memories. Thank you so much for sharing those. Are there any other productions or projects that either of you have coming in the pipeline that we might be able to plug? I, I have a one-woman show called Bloody Mary Live. That It's the show I took to the, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival last year. I actually just got back from touring it in the UK um, in January. The, the premise is Mary Tudor, who is Henry VIII's eldest daughter, she comes back from the dead to do stand-up comedy to defend her legacy, which most people know her as burning some 300-odd heretics at the stake. So it's comedy. It's stand-up comedy meets theater. It starts off as stand-up comedy, but she's not great at stand-up comedy, so she loses control of the narrative. And so over the course of an hour, it devolves more and more into theater. And it's funny. I think you laugh, you cry. I mean, I laugh and I cry in it, but like maybe the audience also does. And so I'm... I'm periodically popping it up in New York. I used to do it a lot prior to this, these last couple tours. I'm taking a bit of a break from it right now, but there's always another Bloody Mary sometime in the pipeline. So if you follow me on Instagram at Bloody Mary Live Show or on TikTok at that Olivia Miller, I'm posting show dates as they come up. But yeah, it's a fun night of theater, one woman, history, comedy, family trauma. I find it quite cathartic. <laughs> it's a really amazing show. I've I've seen it multiple times and it's really incredible. And she's had a ton of success with it. So And yeah, Dylan, what about you? Yeah, so if you're a Real Housewives fan, I've got you covered. I'm at <laughs> at Roni Musical that's R-H-O-N-Y Musical on on all like accounts and stuff we have you know live shows that we do now um not entirely sure when the next one is going to be since we just had two back in February yeah and then by the time this airs I just I sort of recently found out that this other show that I'm working on with another collaborator whose name is Mike Ross, who's super talented. Uh, we wrote a show called Lewis Loves Clark, and it's about Lewis and Clark expedition. Um, and it's sort of a gay bluegrass Americana twist on it. And we just won the Richard Rogers Award. So we are totally like freaking out. And that will be stage reading at some point later this year. We don't know a lot of details, but the, the Roni musical is also just like my personal Instagram for the time being. So <laughs> you can follow me there. <laughs> Finally, if our listeners would like more information about Megan, the unofficial parody musical, or about either of you, perhaps they want to contact you. How can they do that? Meganmusical.com with a three instead of an E after the M in Megan, <laughs> just like the movie, has information about the show, information about tickets. It has our bios and our social media links. So that that's that's one easy way. Well, Olivia, Dylan, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today and discuss this thriller gone comedy musical, <laughs> as well as just the fascinating careers both of you have had that are, you know, they're only going to get better. So I appreciate you taking the time to just, just chat with me. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're Thank awesome. you. Yeah, it was great chatting today. Thank you. My guests today have been the director, Olivia Miller, and the writer-composer, Dylan Markerell, who are currently 
putting on the show Megan, the unofficial parody musical. It is currently scheduled for a one night only performance March 30th at 7 p.m. at Caveat on the Lower East Side. And the address is 21A Clinton Street. Tickets and information about the show can be found at meganmusical.com, and that's with a three instead of an E, just like the film, or at caveat.nyc. We also have a range of social media handles for our guests, including for their projects that we'll be posting on the episode description, as well as on our social media. Make sure you follow Olivia and Dylan. They have an incredible wealth of projects. And uh, they'll have many, many productions coming out of the pipeline that you will want to be a part of, that you will want to see. But start off with seeing the show, Megan, the unofficial parody musical. I know I'm going to be putting it on my calendar because who doesn't love a good parody show? So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One sang the praises of gay If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.